0: Welcome back to part two of this law enforcement interview on what they aren't telling you with Melissa Floyd. We're going to continue this discussion and go in deeper as it relates to the George Floyd incident, as it relates to negativity towards cops and how to process and deal with that kind of emotion. And this officer is going to give you some ideas of how you can thank law enforcement in your community, how you can get involved, and the importance of of building trust within that community and strengthening the relationships. So let's get back into the interview.
1: And I can tell you, nobody hates a bad cop more than good cops because it makes the rest of us look bad. I promise you that. I promise you. Nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop because it taints what we stand for and it dirties the oath that we took. So I can tell you when I see a guy who does something that I'm like, that's unacceptable. Nobody gets pissed off about it more than I do. Mm -hmm. Nobody's more upset about it than another cop who's out there working a 12-hour shift on Christmas to keep the community safe and build that trust. And then Bozo over here does something like an idiot, and it makes all of us look bad.
0: Exactly right. And speaking of idiots, um, what do you think about uh, the George Floyd incident? If when, you, when this first kind of came out, what did you sort of think about it?
1: It was weird. It was hard, you know, being black and being a police officer. As a black man, that broke my heart. And it it was frustrating and it hurt. And to see somebody treated that way, you know, it's hard to kind of put into words what I felt. And then as a police officer, I was so so, so disappointed and pissed because, you know, I knew before anything blew up that it was going to blow up. Right. Um, And and this goes to my, nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. As soon as I saw the video the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And it's going to make people hate us. You know, I think at first I looked through it, I kind of looked simultaneously through the lens of a black man, through the lens of a police officer. And after kind of dealing with, you know, being a black man in in America in 2020, and then looking at it as a police officer in 2020, you know, all those emotions hit me at once. It was really hard. It's really, it's still really hard.
0: Well, and like you said, you've got one idiot cop, one guy who took it too far, one guy that's obviously out of control who is now the representative of the entire law enforcement community?
1: I mean, I can't tell you how many cops i talked to who are so pissed, so angry at that guy. You know, like, what is he thinking? How could you treat somebody like that? Mm -hmm. That is unacceptable. After the black community, I think the law enforcement community was the most upset about it.
0: And, and, you know, I, yep. I feel like the conversation should be more about excessive use of force or even police brutality, but again, against any suspect, because this is not the only right. example of it. We've seen examples right. on video that have never really gone viral on mainstream, the mainstream media, but video examples of other races being treated with excessive use of force that even led to death in a similar way. But that's never discussed. Yep. And so if we really want to find solution, I'm very solution-based. If we want to find a solution, the solution to is that particular neck on knee, uh, knee on neck hold, something that should be outlawed for any police department, because Minneapolis was allowed to use that according to their police department. So technically, he's following yes. the law by using that
1: policy. Right. Yep. So
0: maybe not using that is an action step people can take and say, you know what, this is not something that we think is... Acceptable anymore, and we're going to change that kind of policy. That's one thing. Um, Maybe the fact that it was so many minutes, apparently, according to Minneapolis, their protocol that you're supposed to wait for the ambulance to arrive if you think that there is a particular disorder going on which could result from the drug use. And this is what was heard on some of the, the body cam footage. So, if you think that you're supposed to keep the suspect subdued until the ambulance arrives, which is what he does but obviously he's not checking on him he's not there's so many things that just weren't handled right so could we break down the incident and go this is how it should have been different so that this never happens again to anybody of any color and this is the way right. that we are going to punish this particular officer to make sure it never happens again to any from any officer of any color and we find right. solutions to the actual use of force or the brutality issue instead of saying assuming Every white cop out there is just looking for black people to kill because that's essentially what the message is.
1: Yeah. And that, you know, that kind of, that really breaks my heart because you have so many people from the black community who are, they're legitimately afraid of being pulled over by the police because the message is that they are literally looking for black people and that their goal is, you know, to hurt them or kill them. And that, you know, as a police officer, that pisses me off because I never start a shift that way. I don't care. I don't start start a shift to treat anybody that way or even half that way. You know, I hope I I never have to use my service weapon on somebody. I hope I can go a full career without ever having to use it on somebody. And I think most officers would, would probably agree with me, you know, and then as a black person, that frustrates me that, you know, people from a community that I love and so much and I'm a part of are being told this message and are afraid to go out in public.
0: Mm -hmm. They're
1: afraid, they're afraid to go out in public. It's, it makes me, makes me very angry at the media.
0: And taking it, A little bit more on a personal note, if you don't mind. Um, With all the discussion as we relate to this negativity and everything going on, a lot of tension and bad words being spoken about law enforcement across the nation. It's a very negative tone. You're seeing people literally out there protesting, rioting, looting, and a lot of the anger is, if not most of it, is really against cops, against the police treating the police in a very disrespectful way at this time, and like I said, a lot of negativity, I can imagine the weight of that ends up being something that gets really heavy at times. And even if you are understanding because you're in both communities, feeling being on the receiving end of that, especially when you know it's not warranted, must get very emotionally heavy. And it, it must get really difficult to kind of process. I think a lot of times police officers are sort of taught to leave the emotions at the door, maybe, and kind of keep that wall up, uh, again, as part of doing the job the way that you do, being able to see trauma and be able to still move on in your life day to day without letting that affect you in that way. It's still got to be hard. And when you have backlash and negativity like this, how do you process it? How do you internalize it? Or are you able to? I know we talked before that this is not something your colleagues necessarily talk about. You're not going to open up with your other cops going, hey, dude, emotionally, how are you feeling right now? How's your mental health status right now? How are you internalizing what's going on? Is this affecting you? So how do you process it?
1: I think one thing I I was talking to pops and one thing he told me was, In this job, sometimes you're the hero, and sometimes you're the zero. And if you always ride that wave right in the middle, it's going to help, right? Like, don't ever get too high on, oh, man, people are really appreciative of law enforcement. Or don't ever get too low on, man, everybody hates me. It's just kind of always being in that steady state because, unfortunately, this happens in law enforcement. It kind of ebbs and flows with people – either love you or they hate you um and another thing is too i feel like the silent majority is appreciative and supportive of law enforcement and that's the thing you're not going to hear a lot from them but i think that they do support and appreciate what we do and it's it's been great to have some people reach out and say hey i just want you to know i appreciate you like friends or family or people on the street say the same thing. I think the biggest thing for me is when I'm, when I get home from work, I'm just a dad or just a husband. I think you always have that. We call it hyper awareness, hyper vigilance. You're always going to have that when you're, even when you're not at work, but to, you know, when I'm not at, when I'm not at work, I'm not a police officer, right? I'm just dad. I'm just a husband. I'm just a son or a brother. So I try to leave all the stuff at work, at work. And that's part of why I got rid of my Facebook and my social media, because it was just like getting inundated with all this negativity. And for me, it's just focusing on on my family or focusing on friendships or going to church, whatever it is, something that's going to fill my cup up with some positivity. So that's kind of what I try to do to get through everything is focus on the positive things that I've got going. And I'm very blessed and, you know, focus on those blessings as opposed to, you know, all the things that are going on around me that might make me feel angry or resentful or upset. And, you know, I choose to put my attention uh, and I think emotions and effort towards the positive things that I've got going in my life. Sometimes I just talk to guys and say, Hey man, how are you doing? how's everything going? You know, if you start to see one of your partners and they look like they might be, you know, a little off, Hey, Hey hey bro, how's everything going? Are you good? Do you need anything? You have those conversations, um, sometimes. And, um, you know, also agencies are getting better at having like, you know, you being able to go see a therapist whenever you need to. And, you know, the department just pays the bill. They don't know who. It was I went to go see that there there's there's different resources like that in in order to help police officers in this day and age. So that's always nice, too. So those are kind of some of the things that that I do to kind of get me through, I think, the job in general, but especially during this this period.
0: And have there ever been times where it just emotionally was too much, whether you were admitting that to anybody else or not?
1: Yeah, you know, it's so, man, it can get so overwhelming whether you're like, you're dealing with the pressures of the outside world and in terms of this job, like right now, right? Like how people are so angry and almost seems like everybody hates cops, but then you're also dealing with the things that you deal with at work, like finding somebody who's passed away, going to these, you know, to car accidents where people have died. Seeing people that are strung out on drugs, and whose kids are with them, like all these things that are so, it's, and that could just be one shift. That might be a couple hours into a shift. And so you're dealing with the job and then you're dealing with right now, all this stuff that's coming from the outside and it gets tough sometimes. And, you know, I have a couple of times that I just kind of pull over like somewhere and just kind of try and gather my thoughts and try and get through the situation, you know, and just, okay, you know, you're fine. Not everybody hates you. We're going to make it through this. Like there have been a couple of times where I've just had to like, kind of gather my thoughts and not listen to all the noise that's going on around you, you know? So it, it does get, it does get tough sometimes and it's hard and it breaks your heart sometimes, you know, cause you're, you're out there, you're seeing the worst of the worst and it's just affecting you as a person. And then on top of that, to like right now, to feel like everybody hates you, you know, it's like, geez, you know, I can't win. So at times when I start to feel like that, you know, whether it be to go to a quiet place and take a break and try and say a quick prayer to get my mind back, my mental state right, or talk to a friend or talk to one of the guys at work. If I need to, you know, I've got a couple of buddies at my old agency as well who are very like near and dear to me and guys that kind of been through it with and who I I trust with my life. And those are people that when you have those people, you can open up and tell them, like, hey, dude, I'm dealing with this right now. You just kind of lean on them and, and have an ear to talk to.
0: And as a result, have there ever been times where you felt like maybe it's just not worth it to be in this
1: career? I think I'm still pretty new. You know, I've got right around five years on. um, So I'm still (laughs) pretty motivated, I'd say. You know, guys that have more time on, I think it might be, you know, because the job takes a toll on you, obviously, more and more over time. So I, I personally haven't had that yet. You know, I still love what I do. I still love... Interacting with people and being able to help people, um, but you know, I have had some guys that are like, "I don't do that. I don't know if this is worth it anymore." And they're good, and they're good people. You know, they're good dudes. It'd be a, it'd be a loss to to the career and a loss to the community if you know these guys left. But you know, they're like, I, "I don't know if this I can do. I don't know if this career is for me anymore. I don't know if I can do this anymore." You know, so, and that's the part that's a bummer. Um, is that these are people that are having positive impact on their on the community on a daily basis. And some of them are getting to that point where they're like, this might not be for me and it might be time to hang up the boots. And that would be a loss to some potential people in, in the future that they might be interacting with.
0: Well, and I think that mental and emotional toll is definitely an aspect. I've mentioned with different officers, but I don't think a lot of people really talk about it. I don't think they talk about it. Like you said, the longer you're in it, the bigger the toll it is because the longer you've been in the situation where, again, you're in these life or death circumstances on a regular basis. You're hypervigilant all the time. You're in high stress situations where you need to deescalate all the time. You're witnessing things nobody wants to witness. And all of that's happening as part of your actual job. So it's not like you really get to escape that. And that's just a once in a lifetime thing. It's literally what you're doing all the time. So eventually, you know, it does take a toll on people. And I think it probably in varying degrees. And I think with the um, mental and emotional toll, we see things like some of the highest divorce rates out of any profession. We're seeing a lot of domestic abuse within police departments. You know, you have all of these other elements that are there and again high stress situations as part of the job i just i think that maybe there needs to be a better discussion as a society on yeah. the job what the job entails and what that does to people and how much time is maybe acceptable maybe there should be a limit to how many years you could be in this job so that people don't get to that point where it's too much and maybe there needs to be better support
1: yeah, I think I think they're getting the support part is definitely increasing. Like, when my I think when my dad started, it was kind of just like, a, hey, suck it up. You know, now they're they're trying to be a lot of departments are being more proactive about the psyche of the officers because suicide rate is also very high in this profession. So that's also another sad thing. you know their tr- departments are are realizing that, and recognizing that, and are trying to be proactive about how they're approaching this with their officers and I think you're spot on you know this you know I will say that one thing that, that people say sometimes that kind of s- strikes a nerve with me is when people say well it's it's a job they signed up for, they knew what they were getting themselves into. I can promise you anybody who thinks that, that no officer really knows what they're getting themselves into until they do this job. Mm -hmm. Because until you see the things that you see or do the things that you've done, you'll never know what it really takes to do this job. And so to those people that say things like that, you know, like I said, that does strike a nerve with me because you know, it's a job they signed up for, but it's not like you're not just going to the office and doing a nine-to-five. You're going to these scenes with these kids whose parents are overdosing, or you know you're having to tell someone that their loved one passed away, or you're talking to a domestic violence victim. You are getting emotionally invested in all of these situations. And it takes a lot, and officers are, are caring. And they're loving and they're fighting and they're doing all these things for the community. And, you know, so when people say, well, they knew what they signed up for. No, I can tell you that you, those people don't know what, it, that's ignorance talking when people say things like that. Mm-hmm. So, and it's crazy because in this situation, I've had people that I'm friends with or that are acquaintances that, you know, they've got like an anti-police or like a borderline anti-police rhetoric. And they know what it is that I do. And I have close relationships with these people. And they've seen how, you know, this job has affected me. Or they know intimately how the late hours that I have to work or things that I have to miss or family functions that I can't go to. And that is when it's probably for me the most hopeful is it's like, hey, dude, like I'm here I am. I'm doing this job. I'm a resource if you have direct access to somebody who's doing this job and I'm here to talk to, and it's, so that's kind of been like hard to deal with. Those, those two things, like the people that I'm, I'm close with that have this kind of like borderline anti-police rhetoric. And then like the, Oh, you know, they knew what they signed up for kind of thing. are probably two of the things that strike the, the biggest nerve for me in all this, which is like I said, why I don't have social media really at the moment. Um, So, but it's, again, it's writing that, you know what, sometimes you're the zero, sometimes you're the hero, just stay in the middle. And I just, instead of being focused on those people, I try to focus more on family and friendship and using the resources that the department provides for me if, and when necessary to kind of cleanse myself, you know? So that's kind of what it is that I, that I do or what the departments are doing to try and be proactive for their officers because, you know, obviously they know what it is that we deal with every day.
0: And, you know, I'll say something, um, and not to sound too corny here, um, so I apologize in advance for this, but it is so refreshing to talk to someone who really gets it. And I don't mean gets being a cop or gets just what's going on in the racial situation right now. I mean, gets being a human being, you are such an exemplary person in the way that you look at the world, the way you treat others with respect, the way you view not only your job and how you should approach citizens as an officer, but also how you're viewing the communities of different races because you want to be a voice. You want to be a type of support system for both black communities and for other citizens that you deal with. Just your the way you look at things, the way you think about things, the morals in which you guide your life, like, you know, I want to thank your parents <laughs> for this. And <laughs> it's it's funny, I'm just, at a couple times as you've been talking, there are times I've gotten emotional because you're so open hearted and you're so like willing to be honest. And I have such respect for people that do that and who are clearly living examples of being the words that you say. And being a true example of what you want to raise your kids to be like and what you hope other humans and how other humans are living their life. And I just I don't come across it that often where I'm really like kind of caught off guard and no offense to men out there. But a lot of times I don't see it as much with men either. They're willing to have the conversations. They're being open and honest and they're going above and beyond to be these good human beings. I mean, your parents must be and your wife must be so proud of you.
1: Yeah, I think I I, I hope so. You know, I uh one thing that my like my dad always told me growing up is, hey, you represent the family. And uh, you know, I've kind of always carried that with me and I'm really proud of where I come from. You know, I'm proud that I come from both sides. Both, both sides of my family are both immigrants. I mean, at some point, all of us are to America, really. But, you know, where I've been able to come from, you know, bl- black people were slaves X amount of years ago. You know, looking at where my family has come from in that aspect, I'm so proud. And that's of both sides of my family. I'm fiercely proud of where I come from and of who I represent. And I think I've had some really great examples of what a good person should be. And I just want to be able to be that to other people. And I just want to be somebody. I do want to be somebody that my wife can be proud of, that my daughter can be proud of, that my parents can be proud of, that my younger brother can be proud of. You know, it's that's important to me. And it's important to me to i don't like i had a football coach that always used to tell me do the right thing because it's the right thing to do you know and so that's kind of the way that i try to live my life i'm not perfect obviously nobody is but i think if you st- for me i just strive to do that on a daily basis and it's helpful i still stumble and fall and i know that everybody does but it's just the attempt i think the attempt the effort to be that way is, is what's important. Cause a lot of times it's going to make sure that you do the right thing when it's the time to do the right thing, when nobody else is watching and when you're not going to get any accolades for it and when it's going to go unnoticed and when the media tells you that you're doing things and this is how you are as a person, it's going to keep you doing the right thing. And, you know, it's, this conversation has been like really cathartic for me because I've been like all these emotions have been hitting me and it's been really hard. And as you know, like I was kind of borderline about having this conversation with you just because, you know, again, as police officers, you kind of have that defense mechanism and, you know, I don't know, like I've never talked to you before our conversation that we had last week. And I'm, you know, is this person just trying to get me on the show to get the little, 15 minutes of fame and I talked to a police officer and this is what they said and you know our conversation last week was very like healing for me and I think that's why I was so ready to talk to you today and I've probably had you on the phone for two hours (laughs) Um, but it's because I feel comfortable with you um, and I feel like you are doing things for the right reason and you know I felt like I could really have a An impact, and my goal at work, like I said, is to have one, take it one contact at a time. And if there is one person that listens to this, that maybe has a change of heart, or you know, knows that hey, there's good cops out there. Like when I'm asleep, I know that this guy is out there doing things the right way. Then that was my goal, and that's why I think I was so ready to have this conversation with you. So it's been pretty big for me. And like I told you last week, I feel like I kind of cleansed my soul and, and I feel like that's even more so today. And it's been, like I said, just kind of like therapeutic. So I also appreciate you and it it means a lot for me to be able to kind of share my heart with people. And that's what I wanted to make sure I did. I want to make sure I was real and that people could feel hopefully where I was coming from so that they know like when you see a, an officer you know there's a regular person underneath the badge and the uniform who you know lives breathes thinks feels just like they do and you know has the same worries and concerns and fears that everybody does you know we're all just reg- we're all just people we're not you know we're not robots so that was really important for me to to kind of hopefully get across to, to your listeners. And hopefully, you know, one or two people picks up on that.
0: Well, I think you did. And if I can look ahead, you know, 20, 25 years, I have a son who's four. When he's an adult, I hope I can have a conversation with him just like this, and that he is willing to articulate himself and be open-hearted and be a good, moral, upstanding person. I know I will have completed my role <clears throat> excuse me completed my job I'm sorry
1: okay you're <laughs> gonna make me start crying
0: <laughs> I didn't plan on crying obviously <laughs> um, but that is the most I could wish for him you know I, I named him justice because I want him to fight for what is right and what is fair and I want him to be a good human being. I'm trying to raise my children to be good human beings. Yeah. (laughs) And I just want to give you credit where credit's due. I would be very happy if he turned out like you.
1: I appreciate that a lot. That means a lot to me.
0: And I know I don't know you (laughs) that well other than the conversations that we've had, but this is exactly why I like Having conversations that are deeper because these are the things you don't forget, and I will—I'm sure—probably never forget this conversation. I will never forget having met you this way through your wife to have this conversation on this. Not because of the podcast, just because I felt like you get to really connect with another human being, and I feel like there's so few opportunities that people take to do that in life. We stay on the superficial topics. We talk about the weather. We talk about work. Whatever. We don't often go to those places where we get to talk more and and go further. And that's really where we connect because it doesn't matter how you and I grew up in a different place. We're different ages. We're different genders. All of that doesn't matter because we all feel the same emotions as we go through life. And that's what really bridges us together. It doesn't matter what our races are, religions are, none of it. And I just wish this type of conversation and these kinds of connections could just happen exponentially increase across our country. I really think we would just come to such a different place if we really took the chance to get to know people. And I really hope those listening right now that may have had a preconceived notion about who law enforcement is, who, who, what a cop's like, maybe some people who don't understand people of different races, we're all human under all of it. And we're really so much the same. You know, I'm really having a hard time right now with all of this discussion of separating ourselves into all these different categories. You're black, I'm white. You're a Christian, I'm Jewish. You're a Democrat, I'm Republican. Everybody wants to separate ourselves. Let me show you all the different ways that you and I are separate. And all that does is, that, is create that division and create that tension. And it keeps us from connecting to each other. And it is such a disservice to our humanity because we will never move forward. We will never move forward and make progress if we cannot strip down and realize that we connect heart to heart that's the only way it's the only way no matter i mean i don't know much about cops because i you know it's not my line of work but it doesn't matter because you're a human being you don't know about my background and experience but i'm a human being we should be able to develop that level of respect and connection with each other simply because we are human beings and it's it's just not happening anymore it's always been my interest i really enjoy being able to have conversations with people on a deeper level, I don't always cry (laughs) when I do that. Um, But my goal is for things to be memorable. And so thank you. I just want to say thank you. Because like I said, I won't forget this conversation. And it'll make an impact on me for good. And, And I'll be able to tell my son one day, you know, I talked to this one guy and you know, this is what he did. And this is how he lives his life. And these are the ways that he moves forward and, and how he's a good person. You can be just like that. And then your impact goes on to somebody else. And then that'll go on to somebody else. And it becomes this domino effect. And that doesn't just happen by accident. It happens by design. And I know it's not easy living a great life and living a good moral life. It's not always the easy choice. And in fact, a lot of times it's much harder. I do my best to live that way, too. And I put a lot of effort into it. And It gets really hard when somebody tries to criticize you or say something negative about you, because I do work so hard to, to live a good life. And yeah. I've done a lot of things and made a lot of choices that were a lot more difficult than I did because it was the right thing to do. And I believe, like you said, do it because not because somebody's watching, because it's the right thing to do. And yeah. I live my life that way. I want to raise my kids to be that way. And people like you are an example and a motivation of like the fact that there are still good people out there. And I am so happy that your, your parents have raised you this way. I'm happy that your wife and your daughter get to have that experience. And truly, I really thank you so much for taking the time to open up with me and taking a chance on having that conversation. And I really hope our listeners gain something, not just about police, about humanity today in this conversation.
1: Yeah. I hope so too. I had, it was, uh, it was big for me. Really, 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 really big for me. And, uh, I thank you for letting me be on the show. I told you, you know, once I knew what you were about as a person and what, you know, your goals were and where your vision for this was going, that I told you I wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, and that's kind of what I kind of threw myself in. And I think you're doing something really great. And my wife has a very, very high, you know, level of respect for you. And that kind of meant a lot for me as well. So I appreciate you for giving us a platform where I don't feel like we always get one. And just being willing to to take a chance on me and willing to listen. And, you know, I know I rambled on quite a bit a couple of times, but, you know, I felt like for me, it was like almost like I was in a doctor's office laying on a sofa and you were kind of. A therapist for me. So it was, it was an amazing experience for me as well. And to know that there are people out there like yourself who they want to know are the things that get me through. So to all your listeners, you know, I thank you guys for listening. And I hope this has a positive effect on their outcomes or your outcomes on how you view police or just, I guess, people in general. And don't feel afraid to contact your local law enforcement to take a chance on them, to have an open dialogue with them, to go on a ride along with them, to see really how they police your community, the calls that they go to, the people that they deal with, how it is that they treat people, so that you you guys can formulate a good, honest opinion on how the job is done in, in your community. That would be kind of my suggestion to anybody who's got questions on how can I learn more how can I get involved you know talk to your local agencies figure out what it is that you can do to get involved to learn more to help out and you know I know departments are always trying to build their community policing so I think that that would be a good stepping stone for anybody who wants to you know maybe do some follow-up and learn a little more so that's my suggestion I had a blast I I can't believe I you allowed me to stay on the phone with you for this long.
0: Every single bit was enjoyable. There's something good in all of this and it was it was great. I'm so happy that your wife gave you the nudge to do it uh for for all parties involved and I'm pretty yeah. sure you'll end up being one of the favorite episodes for my listeners if there's stuff more stuff that we want to talk about because obviously you've got a lot to share.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd love to be back on and just let me know.
0: We appreciate you so much. And thank you also for your service, the fact that you risk your life for everybody and that you do it in the way that you do it.
1: Absolutely happy to do it.
0: So I did not plan on getting so emotional, you guys. Hopefully that wasn't too much of a divergence from what I usually do. I know a lot of times I'm happy and bubbly on my other podcast and you know, some of the stuff gets heavier, of course, it doesn't always have to be rainbows and sunshine. And again, some of that emotion is not coming from a sad place, but an encouraging place. And hopefully we can have him back on again and, and talk some more as things progress with what's going on right now. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode of What They Aren't Telling You.